This podcast is informed by lived experience and professional practice, but it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. If this episode prompts you to seek further help, and if you live in Victoria, please contact us via our hub service. Details are in our show notes. If you're listening outside of Victoria, please get in touch with the Butterfly Foundation. A quick note on recovery stories before today's episode. At EDB, we appreciate that everyone has a different story to tell. No one's eating disorder experience will be the same, and neither will their journey to recovery. You may not connect with everyone's story in the same way, and that's okay. We hold this space open for our community to share safely and with respect for everyone's lived experience. I'd been reflecting on my experience and looking through my journals when a past entry caught my attention. The title read what I would do if I liked my appearance, and I had this list of desires like nourishing my body with delicious foods, becoming more intuitive and trusting of my body, and decreasing comparison to other women. However, what upsets me most is that I made actions that align with unconditional love and respect for yourself conditional by stating that I was only worthy of such peace by having an acceptable appearance. On the bottom of this list, I stated that once I deemed myself acceptable, whatever that means, I would finally let go of my eating disorder. In short, I strongly believe that I was only allowed happiness if I changed my body. Today, I can say I'm recovered from binge eating disorder, and not because I physically met some unattainable standard I'd set for myself, but because I finally realized that I deserved to feel all those amazing things I'd written down for myself, irrespective of how I looked. I speak about this more in depth as we go on, but I made the decision to let it go. And whilst this is not as simple as it sounds, and it definitely took work, It was the most liberating choice I've ever made. Before I get into the crux of my experience, I wanted to take a moment to introduce myself properly. Whilst, yes, I am speaking to you about my lived experience and recovery today, I want you to get to know me before you get to know my eating disorder. So hi, my name's Kiara, I'm 25, and I've just finished my degree in nutrition science. Therefore, I'm a newly qualified nutritionist, which is super exciting. I am also an aspiring dietitian and I've just started my master's in dietetics. I am a self-confessed nerd and have definitely loved studying and I do love learning new and complex things, which is why I enjoy health science so much, I think. As a true Melbourneian as well, I do love my AFL. My family and I are fanatic Richmond supporters and we go to nearly every home game at the MCG. I also grew up playing netball and I do love watching the Vixens and Diamonds play too. I've been very lucky to travel the world and experience different cultures, and I think the most interesting place I've been in my life is definitely Havana, Cuba. But next, I'm thinking of skiing in Japan um, or visiting ancient ruins in Egypt and the Middle East. I also have a little dog named Fonzie who I adore, even if he gets sick of me cuddling him all the time. Now that you know me a little bit better, I'll dive back into my story. Although my active eating disorder didn't occur until my 20s, seeds were definitely planted when I was around 12. For anyone, puberty is such an awkward time and my body had changed so much and I was made aware of it by boys in my class. The names they called me shaped my self-perception and I assumed these labels as my identity throughout my adolescence and early 20s. I was never confident, I had terrible self-esteem and had built a strong disliking towards myself. I don't think I ever thought to tell anyone that I was feeling this way or being called such names. I internalised it a lot because I felt like I was embarrassed and I didn't want to highlight my weight to anyone else. 
As I entered adolescence, I did begin to ask friends and family about my weight and whether it was okay, whether I looked good or not. And they would also reply with that typical, no, don't be silly response. But yeah, I never believed them. In hindsight, this was also slightly dismissive. And I think it led to more internalization as I thought I was stupid for sharing those feelings. Speaking from my experience alone, I do wish both primary and secondary schools did more to address weight stigma, body image, and conditioned beauty standards, especially to boys. I know a lot of women who have a similar story to me, and they carry those hurtful comments made by boys in their younger years throughout their lives. The thing is, I don't blame these boys or men in general. I blame diet culture and media for conditioning this beauty idea and perpetuating that a woman's attractiveness is determined by the opposite sex. I feel like young boys don't get those conversations regarding, for example, debunking photoshopping online and, you know, that's doing them a great disservice. Young boys need this help as much as young girls do. Puberty is such a formative yet fragile time. When I was 20, I went skiing with my friends and returned home pretty unwell. I developed all sorts of gastrointestinal symptoms, the worst being this extreme nausea that just never went away. I found it difficult to eat as a result and my body did change. As you could imagine, I felt horrible, yet all I wanted was to stay ill to stop my body from changing back to what it was. For the first time in my life, I felt attractive and I never wanted to feel otherwise again. The problem was that this new confidence was solely based on my physical appearance. It was as if these changes in my body magically solved everything in my life and I had to maintain it at all costs. I finally got diagnosed with gastroparesis after about two years and with the help of medication and dietetics, I was able to eat somewhat normal meals, which sounds like a win, but all I could think about was, you know, returning back to my other body. By the way, gastroparesis loosely translates to stomach paralyzation and severity does exist on a spectrum. Basically, my stomach would take longer to break down food, meaning that the food would sit in my stomach. I finally had that answer to all my symptoms and proper treatment, yet all I was concerned about was changing my body. It was then that I started to ignore the advice of my dietitian and adopted alternate diets that promoted healing my gut and maintaining my sick body. I believed all the fad diet advice. However, I was never great at dieting and I would always end up overconsuming all the foods I was limiting. The cycle continued until one day I was just so disappointed in myself that I gave up dieting completely. This may sound like a positive. However, I responded in a way that was not and I started binging profusely. I believed that if it was impossible for me to be this new, albeit very sick, version of Kiara, then I may as well return to the Kiara that I hated. In hindsight, it was all very perfectionistic, black and white thinking. The binging continued and I began to recognise an issue. However, I thought I had food addiction and that I needed help with my willpower. I visited a dietitian and tried to convince her to place me on a diet, using my gastroparesis as an excuse. She saw straight through me and sent me to the GP, who diagnosed me with binge eating disorder. I ultimately sought help because I thought treatment would help change my body. I blamed myself for letting myself go, and in my mind, I'd slipped back into that old identity the undesirable, unlovable version of myself. Usually dissatisfaction is a driver for change in some. However, I just felt so demotivated, disappointed and burnt out from the yo-yo dieting cycle that I've started punishing myself by binging on foods I demonized. I was terrified of food and I felt like I had no self-control. 
and I was this monster that would eat every piece of bad food in sight. I remember feeling really angry, angry and hateful towards food, wishing it wouldn't exist. I thought it would be easier than trying to resist it. Food held so much power over me, controlled every thought, and every mealtime brought up so much dread because I would anticipate overeating, which only became a self-fulfilling prophecy. My ED had taught me to become so distrusting of myself, and it was just easier to give in to the voice telling me to overeat. In hindsight, I think it was all a reflection of my poor self-perception, but I just didn't have the energy or motivation to face up to it. I didn't like admitting that I had binge eating disorder. I was so ashamed and embarrassed that people would think I was gluttonous, out of control, greedy, and ate too much for a woman if I said anything. I used to just tell people that I had an eating disorder without specification, but then I did feel like people were questioning me because I wasn't underweight, which is a symptom people assign to eating disorders. Your weight is not the basis of your ED, but rather your behaviours and your thought patterns are. Unfortunately, most of the community think otherwise, and I do believe more education is needed amongst a wider society to reduce this stigma. I want a binge eating disorder to carry less shame because ultimately shame stops people from speaking up and getting help. For me, it was this conditioning that, you know, eating too much or eating certain foods was unladylike, whatever that actually means. I can tell you there is no such thing. However, it did take time to unlearn this thought. I'd become sad all the time and I didn't want anyone to see me because of my changing body, so I began to live an isolated life. The loneliness started to get to me and it became a driver for recovery. I started to try and challenge my belief system with my psychologist, which was what changed my behaviours more than anything. I once read this book called Atomic Habits and it spoke about how our habits are a product of our identity and in my experience, this was very true. What I thought of myself determined my behaviours. I also journaled a lot, which is something I credit most of my recovery to as well. Writing just felt comfortable and safe to me and I felt like I was able to articulate my feelings better, as well as unpack the stories and beliefs I'd instilled upon myself. It is a little cringe, however, I did randomly read some manifestation journaling guide about creating the life you want. And I can tell you now, my, my ideal life did not involve hiding in my room in oversized clothes, ruminating on how unattractive I was. It was actually the opposite. My ideal life involved getting out there, integrating myself into society in a way that was authentic to me. It highlighted all the things I wasn't doing or not achieving because of my eating disorder. And after some practice with journaling, I would just brain dump how I was feeling onto the page. And at times where I was slow, I would kind of just put it out to the universe for some advice. It did help me become more intuitive in a way where I began to connect to my inner true voice rather than my ED voice. There is definitely a difference between the two. It was a way of extracting that negative ED voice out of my head and onto the paper. I would take my reflections to my psych and we would discuss them. However, recovery did not occur in a linear progression for me, nor does it for most. In the beginning, I felt like I was relearning so much about our society and the concept of diet culture really stuck with me. I was really hurt and angry that I had been so subject to diet culture for most of my life and didn't know. It influenced so much of my pain as well as the pain of others and that didn't sit right with me. So I began to rebel against diets. Ultimately, I was still binging on discretionary foods. However, my motivation was different this time. I'd associated certain foods with diets rather than well-being and began to boycott them. This concept is common and is known as being a diet rebel. 
However, it didn't help me recover as it was still that same all or nothing thinking I had before, and I was still left with the same guilt and shame. The most confusing and frustrating time of my recovery was what I call quasi-recovery. I was at a stage where I decided I didn't want my eating disorder anymore, but I still had this desire to lose weight, and my illness ultimately promised me that it would help me do that. Well, I can tell you now, eating disorders are pervasive liars. I would try to establish habits for my own well-being, however my ED voice would sabotage them and manipulate them to into restrictive behaviours. I'd get really motivated to turn my life around and then feel so low when my ED would overcome my good intentions. It was so exhausting and disheartening. After a while, I really started to resent my ED. I remember a pivotal conversation that I had with my psych about letting go of the thin ideal or fantasy I'd always held on to. It was a strange feeling because for the first time I didn't resist the idea. I just felt like it was time to let it go. It was kind of like a mourning period though. I had to say goodbye to an ideal that I'd held on to for so long. It was really tough to give up on a life I thought I wanted and to accept myself as I was. As a perfectionist, acceptance is especially challenging. Letting go of this ideal also left me with little sense of who I was anymore. I had always identified myself by my weight status and now I had the opportunity and mental capacity to discover more about myself. I turned back to my journal and continued this practice, which really helped me reconnect with who I was and who I wanted to be. It's daunting, but it's an incredibly liberating feeling. At that point, I knew I was in recovery because I was thinking about the next chapter beyond my eating disorder. And now I can say I'm recovered because I can identify with my intrinsic self rather than my appearance. It can sound like a lot, but what really helped me recover throughout my journey was reconnecting with myself. But it really felt like discovering myself because I had been hiding behind this mask my whole life. I'm not sure what my stance is on spirituality or what yours is for the matter, but regardless, there is one concept I learnt while reading a famous book called The Power of Now that really stuck with me and helped me with my recovery. It was this concept of the ego and the intuition. The ego comes from the mind and lives in fear. EDs thrive off fear, and for me, it ultimately was a fear of being unloved and undesirable. It is really interesting that once you find this fear, it isn't explicitly about your your appearance at all. On the other hand, our intuition is something we all have, and it is our inner knowing. It doesn't come from the mind, it just is this feeling of knowing that you always have in the pit of your stomach, that gut intuition. That is your voice. Learning to lean into that feeling and reconnect with your intuition over that ego or that ED voice really helps quieten the noise to the point where you cannot ignore the true voice anymore. How do we get there? Honesty and vulnerability with yourself first and foremost. Journaling really helped me do that. I was incredibly candid with myself on those pages and after a while I really started to notice my own intuition firing up again and I did become so fed up with that ego or that ED voice being the boss. The discernment between is this thought coming from my ED voice or my voice was truly key in squashing harmful thought patterns in my experience. My life has become much more enriched since making the decision to let my eating disorder go. I'm on track to achieve my dream career as a dietitian Um, I've allowed love back into my life and found an amazing partner. I'm close to my friends and family. And most importantly, I have a much healthier relationship with myself. I'm so much more spontaneous, especially friends and family when going out to eat. I've been so lucky to experience many amazing restaurants and meals that I'll always remember. 
as well as the memories with loved ones that go with it. I never want to lose that again. Recovery has also been great for my health. My gastroparesis improved a lot when I stopped binging and decreased my anxiety. I also found a bit more confidence in myself. I started challenging myself to buy clothes that fit my body well and I discovered that it made me feel really good. I really do love fashion and makeup and using it as a form of self-expression is really important to me. My ED definitely took that joy away from me and I'm so glad that I found it again. I actually don't think about my weight much anymore, which feels crazy to say. I still have periods where I dislike what I see. However, I've become more neutral and impartial to it. I'm able to move on and get on with my day. That difference is that I don't stop going to work, out for dinner or to social events because of it anymore. That again is a reminder of recovery. I guess even though I have a good understanding of diet culture, I am also human and we are all subject to having off days regarding our appearance and how we feel about it. The difference for me at least is that I don't punish myself for it anymore. I just want to say that my life isn't perfect by any means. I still feel anxiety just over different things now and that is something I work on. I take anti-anxiety medication and found it really helpful and I would recommend giving it a go if you do feel like it's a good fit for you. Although I do believe I lived a privileged life, I still face hardships and low periods and again, that's okay. Life ebbs and flows. I think the most important thing I want to leave you with is that you get to decide who you are. I lived most of my life allowing others to decide that for me and it left me vulnerable with a wavering sense of self. Get in touch with yourself again, discern between that ego and that intuition. My eating disorder began because I sought acceptance extrinsically, but I definitely recovered because I discovered that acceptance is actually intrinsic. I can't say that I know everything about myself, that is constant learning that will continue throughout all phases of my life to come. However, I do accept myself a lot more, which gives me a lot more confidence to work towards who and where I want to be which is definitely the most liberating feeling of being in recovery. My wish for you is that you all get to feel this way too. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Boon Wurrung and Woi Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging.